Good morning, and welcome to Old Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, September the 4th, 2020. We are continuing our study in the big book. We're in Bill's story, page three, the third paragraph in 1929. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Lauren N., 12 Traditions, Anita L., and readers of the text, Melissa C., Tenzin P., and Susan H. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, September the 3rd, the 7 a.m. meeting, 15273, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 15275. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lauren N. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning all, Lauren N. Compulsive Overeater Sugar Addict from New York. The 12 steps, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to make per, take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admit it, admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, Having had the spirit, a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eater, overeaters and to practice our principles in all 
of these principles in all of our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. And Anita L., would you read the 12 traditions for us, please? Yes, good morning, everybody. Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're continuing the study of Bill's story. We're on page three the third paragraph in 1929. 
and we're reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. Melissa C., would you read for us, please? Hi, thanks. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. In 1929, I contracted golf fever. We went at once to the country, my wife to applaud, while I started out to overtake Walter Hagen. Liquor caught up with me much faster than I came up behind Walter. I began to be jittery in the morning. Golf permitted every golf permitted drinking every day and every night. It was fun to crawl around the exclusive courses, which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. I acquired the impeccable coat of a tan one sees upon the well-to-do. The local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till with amused skepticism. And, um, okay, I'm going to my book down, get my timer. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. Um, you know, when when I read this part of Bill's story, a few things um, come to mind for me. First, um, like now he's got this golf fever, and I know we've got like historians who might be able to tell us um, if if Bill did play golf all his youth, but I don't recall reading about Bill having a deep affection for the actual game, you know. Was he spending all his time learning the skills, practicing shots, researching, like, his stroke? Um, it doesn't actually sound like he's on fire about the sport, but the delusion that he's going to overtake Walter Hagen, you know, and I had to look that up a few years back when we were, you know, when I began studying the book, that this is a famous golfer, right? And so Bill doesn't golf for golf's sake, you know, for the pleasure of the sport, but so that he can be a big shot, a star, and it's what rich men do, get tan and golf. And But really, the real reason, because golf permitted drinking day and night. You know, um, drinking is cunning, powerful. And, you know, for, for, for me, it begins to call, the food begins to call all the shots. You know, can I relate this to food? Yes. You know, what activities did I focus on? Um, the ones that allowed me to eat while doing them. You know, all the things I did for, for leisure, watching TV, movies, dinners out. What, what, you know, we really see in this story is the progression of the drinking, that it starts out exciting, exhilarating, serious proportions, then extreme drunkenness, then he's the lone wolf. And now it's actually choosing what he does for fun, for leisure, you know, um, for me, when I relate it to food, it goes from enhancing the occasion um, to being the occasion, you know. And I, I don't know if Bill would have played golf if it didn't allow drinking. I, I seriously doubt it. You know, um, when when I'm owned by the food, um, I didn't even know what I liked. How's that? I wasn't free to make decisions about my leisure because food picked that for me. It picked my recreational activities. It picked everything I did. It picked where I went, um, who I hung out with. And, you know, when I put the food down, um, and it sort of talks about that uh, all the way at the end of 164 when we are in a vision for you and we say, like, who are we now? 
you know, when you have a spiritual awakening, a personality change, you actually begin to uncover what your real personality is, what you actually like and don't like. And um, and that is a beautiful thing. When, when, I, when I can do that for you, the food, food doesn't call the shots. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melissa C. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Cynthia Nicole C. Linda D. Nicole P. Cynthia C. Yep, I'm got you, Cynthia. I have Cynthia C, Nicole P, and Linda D. Who else would like to share? Eileen D. Katie G. Okay, let me tell you our lineup. Cynthia C, Nicole P, Linda D, Eileen D, and Katie G. Cynthia C, could you start us off, please? Press star one to unmute, Cynthia. May I be heard now? Yes, thank you. Please go ahead. Great. This is Cynthia C., compulsive overeater, recovered compulsive overeater and food addict in Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, moderator, for your service and for everybody for making this meeting happen today and every day. I'm so grateful to be on today. So I was thinking when I was hearing this, the thing that struck out to me in this passage today was that um, – you know, the idea that Bill was going to overtake, like he's, he's picking up golf now, maybe for the first time, I don't know, but uh, he's picking up golf and he's getting really into it. And this fantasy that he's going to overtake, you know, a famous professional golfer. And, and that, that idea of, of not being right-sized, that, that, that fantasy, this fantasy, that just, I would say like, oh, I'm going to start this diet and I'm going to get so thin. Or I'm going to compete with like, I'm going to be able to, you know, I'm starting this job and I'm going to go like sky high in the field or whatever it was, but just these fantasies of where I thought I was going to, that, that those fantasies of grandeur or, you know, like, I, and, and I was like, you know, entry level. You know, and I think that that idea of, you know, and he's out there spending money and he's maybe spending more than he has or more than he should be. And just, you know, this whole concept of, of one of the things that I have learned in recovery is to be right-sized. You know, that when I start to fantasize, like, you know, we live in this incredibly expensive area and there are enormous houses that are worth millions and millions of dollars and we have a, you know, small beautiful but small house you know and um you know and I would drive by these big houses and I would just fantasy someone's gonna like just gift me a house you know and 
like or just fantasies about things that could happen. And that was a lot of when I was in the food and when I came out of the food and I was working the steps, I realized that when I would engage in my head in these fantasies, it was like a really bad place for me to go. And so for me, a big part of being in recovery is learning to be right-sized, is asking my higher power to lift those fantasies from me, to, to lift me. And those fantasies are certainly what I engaged in when I was overeating and binging all the time, like those fantasies of, 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 of you know, I don't know, of, of like how I was ever going to stop. I was going to be thin. I was going to be this. I was going to be that. And these were fantasies because I was like shoving food in my face. Um, and uh, and I just, I'm just so grateful today that I don't have to live in a fantasy and, and that I get to ask my higher power to right-size me and to relieve me from my own will and, and my own obsessions or whatever it is. And, and it's just really pertinent to me right now. There's a, currently a really big challenge at work, and I may or may not stay in this, you know, I'm not sure whether I'm going to stay in the current organization and maybe time for me to go. And, and just the concept of being right-sized, of, of being right-sized about what is my role in this organization and what is my role in my family. And, you know, there's a lot of enormous transitions going on in my family and at work. And this is just such a good reminder that I get to pray today to ask my higher power to right-size me and not live in a fantasy um, and not live in some alternate reality, but to accept life on life's terms, even when it feels really, really hard and, and challenging. And to the more Time, I let please. go, thank you so much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Cynthia C. Nicole P., it's your turn, followed by Linda D. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Um um, thank you for your service, and um, good morning, everyone. Wow, <clears throat> Bill's story. Um, I love how it started off as I contracted golf fever, and my wife uh, went with me to applaud while I started out to overtake Walter Hagen. Um, when I think about Bill W.'s history, we have two parents, he had two parents that divorced, and he was raised by his grandparents, and he didn't grow up, you know, wealthy. And so when he's saying, you know, these, you know, oh, my gosh, golf permitted drinking every day and every night, oh, yeah. Um, I would do things that permitted my addiction. I went camping, didn't want to go camping. I just went because it permitted me to binge. Oh, and it's like, oh, and I can have several s'mores, and nobody will say anything. Oh, awesome. And then I can eat as much as I want to because then I can hike. I can I can um, purge, and then I can hike it off. Oh, my gosh, this is heaven. I went bowling because, oh, I can have the food there, and nobody's going to judge me. This is awesome. I mean, everything I did was centered around my addiction. If, if an activity that I was invited to didn't involve food, I didn't go. And same for um, any addict, no matter your substance of choice. I, it was fun to roam around the exclusive course, which, which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. As a lad, you know, growing up poor with his grandparents, I'm sure he was like, oh, my gosh, he's just looking at it. And now he's like, I had arrived. Oh, my gosh. My wife's applauding me. I'm on this golf course. 
so not only did it feed his ego, it also permitted him to drink. And so that was the same thing for me. It's like, oh, anything that drives my ego, anything that can keep me involved in self, I'm all for it. And then I'm getting applause too. Oh, yeah. Um, for me, that was a dream. I acquired the impeccable coat of tan one sees upon the well-to-do. Um, for me, I acquired clothes, shoes, jewelry, um, economic status. And so, yeah, I received that applause from the two people I wanted it from the most, my parents and everyone around me. It's like, oh, look, the fat kid in school UTs came up. Ha ha. And that that's all my life centered around was being better than others. Um, if it didn't have food, I'm not going to be a part of it. The local banker watched me wear a fat check in and out of his tail with amused skepticism. And I'm I mean, just as, oh, thank you. As the book says, and as we'll get along, um, get further along in his story, he'll realize that all of this did not solve his quote-unquote drinking problem. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nicole P. Linda D. It's your turn, followed by Eileen D. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I'm struck by the similarities between myself and Bill, of course. Uh, I think the thing that stands out to me all week is the brilliance of this man and that we're going to find out eventually only uh, a transformative experience with with a higher power saved his life. That's the story of my life. I wasn't the brilliant speculator. I had the gifts I had. I had no idea, just as Bill didn't, that I had a fatal progressive disease, and it leveled me. And it isn't going anywhere. It's inbuilt to my brain chemistry. The other part of it that I identify with is the not being good enough that builds into self-hatred that sends me in every direction till there's nothing left. Trying to be even good enough. Because that's where I started, underneath it all. I didn't know any of that. This is the place in OA where I found out through these steps. I am so eternally, eternally grateful to God and all of you. And I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Eileen D., it's your turn, followed by Katie G. Please go ahead, Eileen. Thank you. Yes. Good morning, Eileen D. from Maryland. Um, thank you for your service. Um, I also resonated a great deal with this paragraph. You know, it, uh, it took me back to when I was in high school, and I um, I went to a school that was kind of expensive, and I was a kid from the other side of the tracks. And so I decided to be really funny and popular, and it worked. And I hid behind all of my humor. And one of the things I did but I told everyone, well, I'm going to join every high school activity because they have a banquet at the end of the year. And they did. And I mean, I, I was in future farmers, future secretaries. It was a big lark. But the reality was food was the occasion. 
and where Bill puts, I began to be jittery in the morning. Well, food was a fix for me. I drove to places I knew had my fix and that that would somehow satisfy me for just a few minutes, but only as long as it took me to eat it. But I hid behind laughter and humor, and you didn't get to really know me. Um, I was just a lot of fun to be with. Um, but then as I got older, and I could not seem, and I, you know, grew up and went to college and da 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 da, and had to kind of be a grown up. I started doing the diet thing, any diet that would fix me, and I was in a cloud of me, me, me. Um, I often look at my two year old grandson, and he does me, me, me. <laughs> I was the me, me, me in my at the height of my um, compulsive overeating. It took coming to these programs. It took coming really falling and having a, a huge bottom for me falling down to help me ex- actually understand that there's more to life, that food doesn't have to be the occasion, that, that, that I have a higher power and my higher power will help me get through it, that I have steps and friends in here who can support me and help me on the journey, that I can be sad and I can be quiet and I can be introspective and you're there. So I, I just wanted to thank everyone for being on the line and everyone for helping um, this compulsive overeater um, be recovered. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Eileen D. And Katie G., it's your turn. Good morning, Katie. Hey, Lynn. Thanks for your service. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. Yeah, I mean, this just <clears throat> reminds me that I have a hole in my soul. I, since I was a little girl, I felt like I should be someone else at some other time with other people doing something else. And I spent my life looking for external solutions to fix an internal problem. You know, for me, the pursuit to be thin, the drive to be thin drove me um, not to just compulsive eating, but starving and binging and restricting in ways that, that stole things from my body that I never got back. And my delusional thinking of being so powerful, being so powerful as this anorexic bodybuilder. And I was sharing with a friend this morning, you know, a woman said, wow, you look really great. And I said, I'm dying from anorexia, you know, and because because I just wanted to like shock people, you know, I just, I wanted to be someone. And I thought if I could, you know, catch up like, like Bill does with Walter Hagen, you know, but the food, the disease of my, the allergy of the body and my obsession of the mind, it moves much faster. And this disease is a disease of my ego. And what is so amazing is today, you know, as the result of absolute entire abstinence and working the 12 steps, I, I don't suffer as much from the delusions of grandeur. You know, what, what, the, what the food and, and the eating and the starving and the binging, it allowed me to live in this like fantasy world where you owed me, where everyone owed me, where look at my life, it's been so hard and that's why I've had to do this and I've suffered so much and poor Katie, you know, and, um, and today because of the steps, I get to practice humility. I, I'm not going to sit, sit here and say and announce to you all that I'm humble because for me that's not a whole lot of humility, but I try to sit with who God has made me to be. And over and over again, God keeps showing me, Katie, when you're falling short, you're looking for something external to fix the internal. You know, and I don't, um, 
Today, I don't have to be two people. Today, I get to be one person. Today, I get to show up. I get to make mistakes. I get to, um, to, to redo things over and over again until I remember, okay, I, nothing external, no human power can relieve me from this hole in the soul that if I can sit with God, if I can pause, if I can pray, if I can um, connect with God, you know, I, I'm okay. And I don't need external to make me feel okay because the external is going to change. I mean, it, it just is. And it never, even when I got that accolade, quote unquote, for being the thinnest girl in the room, guess what? Thinnest girl in the room, is she's just going to keep going down. You know, I, if you want to find your bottom, just stop digging. Like my bottom is, is way down there. So I'm just grateful to have a solution today and that God can continue to restore me to sanity and, and that I can be one with God and with all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later, we're continuing our study of Bill's story on page three, paragraph three in 1929. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, Please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It helps me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Carmelie. Larry Kay. Gwen H. Okay, there were, there were a couple of people before Larry, but I didn't hear anybody. I'm sorry. Who was that? Diane. Carmelie. Madam. Okay, let me tell you who I did hear, and then maybe the other people can try again. I heard a Diane, I heard Larry K, and I heard Matt M. Who did I miss, please? Carmella K. Carmella G. Was that Gwen H? Yes. Rowena? Okay. All right, great. Here's our lineup then. Thank you, everybody. I heard a Diane, Larry K, Carmela G, Matt Aim, Gwen H, and Rowena. Diane, please go ahead. Hi, this is Diane C from Maryland. Thank you for the opportunity to share. <clears throat> I've been interested in the word karam, which is um, at the top of page four. It was fun to karam around the exclusive course. And... Um, I've heard that word, but I didn't really know what it meant. So I, I was thinking that it was to sort of drive around or sort of lightheartedly drive around, and that's part of it. But it's actually defined as to strike and rebound or to glance off of something or to ricochet. And um, to glance off something is to strike a surface obliquely so as to go off in an angle, kind of like um, when you're shooting pool. And I thought that just was a a brilliant use of that word um, on Bill's part because it described the ins the instability or instability um, that he was experiencing, and that really was a metaphor for his life and and what was happening in his life. So I just wanted to share that. I thought it was really interesting and uh, thought it was just a a great use of the of a word to. Uh, highlight what was actually going on in Bill's life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. 
Thank you, Diane C. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Carmela G. Good morning, Larry. Hi, hi there. Thanks so much for your service, Lynn. Uh, Larry K. recovered this morning. You know, when I, whenever I read um, this part of Bill's story, I, I, I identify in. I think of um, think of my experience. Um, despite being an addict, food addict, all my life, um, I had a knack for playing baseball from an early age, and I was really encouraged and supported. Then I had two older brothers too that were athletes and. So I was encouraged and I kind of developed with that. And I had some adults that, you know, really supported me in that. And um, I thought that could maybe be a career someday. All little kids think that, right? It wasn't to be. But but in any case, when I when I read this, you know, uh, have you ever been in, 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 you know, to an event where there's a famous person present? I, I don't care if they're famous, you know, admiring, you know, you admire them or maybe they're notorious. But if you've been in a room... You know, when there's a celebrity in our midst, there's an excitement there. And when you see this person, uh, regardless if they're admired or notorious, it's almost impossible not to take notice of them. There's a, a curiosity. Uh, maybe you've seen them on TV or a magazine or something. And see, food was always the celebrity in the room for me. And, you know, you might be talking with me, but, but the core of my attention is always the celebrity. The food demands my attention. It's a psychological and physical mandate for me. I'm drawn to it like a mosquito is drawn to light, right? And, and just like the mosquito, the very thing that will kill me, you know, the bug zapper is so powerfully exciting and inviting to me. It pulls me. It, it's a magnet. It pulls me towards it. And so in my younger days when I was playing baseball, um, uh, the baseball was not like Bill. The go- the go- I, I can tell you, the golf was not the, the thing. You know, the, the golf might have been, but the celebrity for Bill was the, the alcohol. The celebrity for me was the food. And when I played baseball, you know, I, I just remember so clearly that uh, packing my lunch um, thinking about the food that I'm going to eat that morning, the food after, that always had my attention. And I thought maybe other people feel that same way, but, but they really didn't. What I, was, what I was experiencing was not normal. It was not normal. Normal is you, 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 you're involved in some, some events, some, some things, some activity, and you just don't th- normal people don't think about the food. It's not a bug zapper to them. They're not drawn to it with the excitement of the celebrity of the food like we are. And so when I read about Bill chasing after Walter Hagen, you know, I chased after Brooks Robinson and these, this third baseman and these different, you know, the, I chased after these things, but really my attention food was going to shred me. It was going to shred me. It was going to chew me up and spit me out. So I'm so grateful that we have a way out. So grateful, grateful for all of you that do service and and share your experience. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Carmela G., it's your turn, followed by Matt M. Please go ahead, Carmela. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you for your service, and thank you for all the people on the line who are sharing and listening. My name is Carmela G., and I'm a grateful, compulsive overeater in New York. 
I contracted golf fever. I had fever, period, to survive and be the best and compete in everything. And that was my ego. The food was my solution. So when my ego didn't get applauded, the way Bill's wife was applauding him, and when I didn't get the accolades, then I had to run to my solution and soothe my ego because it was so bruised. Thank God for these 12 steps. Because it was only through working these steps that I realized that all through the six decades in my life prior to getting into this program, I was comparing myself to everyone and I wanted to be the top banana. I wanted to be the best. But the steps taught me about humility and honesty and that what I was truly after was love. Love. I wanted to be soothed. Just like a baby goes to its mother for soothing, I wanted soothing through all these crazy actions and my crazy feverish drive for life. And sure, it served me well. But I didn't have it in the right place. Today, I've learned, yes, I must do work, and I must do it to the best of my ability. But that is based on the principles in the book. Maximum service to God and to my fellows. And that is how I perform today. Not competing and comparing but of maximum service because I am loved and I am loved perfectly so I don't have to strive and act like a crazy woman to get the acknowledgments it comes to me because I have a power greater than myself that loves me perfectly and with that I pass Thank you, Carmela G. Matt M., it's your turn, followed by Gwen H. Good morning, Matt. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive over here from New Jersey. I'm very nervous. Um, yeah, I'm not as eloquent as other people, um, but uh, I have a huge ego. Sometimes I um, don't like confrontation, and I realize all life has confrontation in it. But the food for me is a salve. It's a way for me to avoid life. I avoided life my whole life by stuffing my face, you know, with my binge foods. And, you know, every pound I put on was another problem that I was avoiding in my life. I hated my life. I hated hated myself, you know, every time I looked in the mirror. And I wanted people to love me and respect me, but I didn't respect myself. You know, I wanted I wanted all the accolades in life, and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to get all the awards and stuff. But again, I deep down I didn't feel like I deserved anything in life, you know. So I just ate my ate myself, 
you know, I was eating myself to death. I was eating to live, not live. I was living, not, I was living to eat, not eating to live. And, you know, it was very hard for me. And, you know, I came into the rooms. I was, I was, I came in a liar and a cheat. And I came in for the wrong reasons. I came in to make friends. I can't, and I, I came in, I used people. Um, I, I made like, all the outreach calls I wanted. I did, I mean, I came in for dozens of sponsors for all the wrong reasons. And, I learned, you know, the hard the hard way that that's not the real reason to come into program. You know, it's not Colin says it's not the people who want it, it's not the people who need it. It's the people who do the work. And you know, I really wasn't doing the work. I didn't really want it hard enough for myself. Other other people, I wanted people want so much for me, but just wasn't ready to do the work. You know, and, and um, so many people care about me, and it's just like not that I, it's not that I didn't care about myself. It's just like I just wasn't ready. And you know, God for some reason still want to be around, you know, have the ability to work, you know, somebody to help people and I just wasn't ready, you know, and um it's hard. This disease really is kind of vastly powerful. So many people around me are dying from this disease and I just wasn't seeing it right in front of me. I'm a very hard case, you know, it's like banging my head against the wall, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face kind of thing, you know. And I'm just very grateful that, you know, I'm still here because there's always another opportunity every day that I'm here to do better. You know, and I'm just grateful that I have the opportunity one day at a time. You know, I, I do feel like, you know, I understand what Bill felt, you know, wanting to prove it to myself to others that I can do this, but I need to prove it to myself. You know, I am doing it every day. I'm abstinent. I've been abstinent for a while. I am working on my steps with my sponsor. I'm taking it one day at a time, one meal at a time. There's days that I do struggle, and I still haven't lost, um, the lure of food. food. Food still talks to me. I'm not, new. I'll be honest, I'm not neutral on food yet. Um, I still see commercials on food and I still want it. It still does call to me. And I just want to be honest about it. Food does not, I am not neutral on food, but you know, as long I'm as to reach out. And thank you very much uh, for allowing me to share. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Madam. Gwen H., it's your turn, followed by Rowena. Good morning, Gwen. Hi, good morning. This is Gwen H. in Minnesota, a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And I could really identify with Bill here. Um, he talks about, you know, getting this golf fever where uh, he's tried so many things. And it just reminded me that, you know, how I feel on the inside for the longest time never really matched what I was showing on the outside. Um, where he tried going to law school because he thought, you know, that's a prestigious job. I tried taking up real estate and took some real estate classes that never went anywhere. I tried doing, uh, you know, a real estate mogul where, oh, I know I'm going to uh, buy up these fixer uppers and sell them. That never really went anywhere. And where, you know, where he said in the previous page that he was going to prove to the world, you know, that he was somebody. And, you know, I was in the same place. Uh, And I don't think that I was trying to prove to the world so much that I was trying to prove to myself that I was somebody because I just didn't feel like I was. Um, So when I was trying all these different things, like, like Bill is doing here, uh, I'm just thinking, how do I look like, if I look like other people, 
maybe I'll feel like other people and I won't feel insecure and uh, discontent and restless and irritable. So in the background, all these feelings were still there while I was trying to put on, put on a show. Uh, and I, I didn't always, you know, hang around the food be, for because it was there, but I made sure that there was food when I got home or when I got away from the crowd or whatever. Uh, it just, it just reminded me so much how, how much that, uh, I am like Bill, where I I couldn't go through a day without trying to feel like I was worthwhile, and in the meanwhile, never feeling it at all. Um, and that would continuously drive me back to any substance that would give me that sense of ease and comfort when all I really felt was dis-ease and discomfort. Um, and I'm just so grateful for everyone on the line, and thank you for listening. And I just let you all know a little bit about me today. Again, <laughs> thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Gwen H. And Rowena K., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Rowena. Hi, my name is Rowena K. from the United Kingdom. Um, yeah, I didn't relate to this at first until people kind of unpicked it and um, I started to see where see myself in, in parts of this and I can relate to you know as a teenager um, looking at um, magazines with these super skinny models in them and wanting to be like that and uh, you know being five foot one and you know almost 200 pounds you know it was crazy I just um, but that's what drove me you know was those pictures of those images in, in, in those magazines and um, as I got older and I went to work, that kind of need to be the best, the most important, um, you know, carried over into work where, you know, I would start a new job and immediately want to be running the company. Um, and, um, you know, I tried to get approval. Um, I tried to make myself feel good um, and from by other people and, and then using the food when that didn't happen. Um, and even, you know, when I come on the line to share, I want to be, I want people to remember what I said. I want to have the most, you know, insightful share, you know, leave gems everywhere. And, um, you know, that's um, that's my ego. And what's always happened is, you know, the opposite, where I've woken up jittery in the morning from having binged. You know, that's the reality where um, the food would always... Uh, destroy me, you know, it, it never right-sized me, it destroyed me every time I binged, destroyed a part of me every time I binged, and um, there was a, a time when I was about to get a really big promotion at work, um, which would have meant that I had arrived, but this disease and other addictions, you know, prevented that from happening, um, and um, today I'm, I'm a lot more open to, to being right-sized by the program. Um, and by my fellows, not in, you know, the way that the food did that to me by destroying me, but just through, you know, step tens and being gentle and um, and open and honest. And I guess the right sizing for me comes from remembering every day that, you know, there's a higher power far greater than anything I could possibly ever imagine, you know, that's got a plan for me that loves me. Um, and it's not me, you know, I'm not my higher power. Um, and 
you know, I'm just grateful for the moments in my day when I when I actually remember that. Um, so thank you for letting me share, and of course. Thank you, Rowena Kay. We're sharing on Bill's story, page three, paragraph three in 1929. And uh, we'd like to encourage everybody, if you shared yesterday or the day before, to please step back and let others have a turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear you. Who would like to share? Jen A. Okay, I heard Jen A. Barbara Barbara. I think there was one more. Martha. Okay, let's go ahead with that lineup, please. Jen A, please, followed by Barbara. Please go ahead, Jen. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for your service. Thanks for everybody on the line today and the awesome shares. We're just like unpacking this paragraph. It's so awesome. And I, too, can identify in with Bill. Um, you know, for me, I had the fever for the flavor of a Pringles. That's what just keeps going over and over in my mind. I didn't have the fever for golf. <laughs> um, but uh, I will just say this on a serious note. Um, you know, food was it for me, too. And if it wasn't the food, it was the physical exercise. Because um, once I figured out how to control um, my weight, through um, dieting, laxatives, exercise, um, and all the likes of it together, I was pretty good at that, and I could get down to just pretty much nothing. Um, and I'm going to tell you that I'm not a competitor. I'm in, I don't have a competitive streak in me, <laughs> and those of you who know me are giggling in the background. Um, but I will tell you, um, when I decided, when I was um, divorced, um, I would go to this MMA gym, and I wanted to be just like Adrienne. She was the girl with the bikini body figure with the sparkly bathing suit and the high heels that stood on the stage. She was 15 years younger than me, but, oh, I wanted to be just like her, right? And, um, yeah, so I dieted down, and I exercised, and I did everything so I could get on that stage and, um, and be a bikini um, model, too. And let me just tell you, that drive was like, see me, see me, Jen Marie, like I'm going to be somebody. Maybe I can be somebody to my family. Maybe their kids won't think that they have such a loser mom who doesn't have a college degree and is nothing and just been fat her whole life. And maybe I can finally arrive and be somebody. And let me tell you, I stood up on that stage and felt invisible. And you know what? I didn't win first place. In fact, I think I came in right below the last person. And they're like, well, Mom, at least you didn't come in last. And I did it, right? I stood up there looking like a raisin on the stage with 5% body fat, thinking I was beautiful. And I looked back at those pictures, and I cringed. That wasn't beautiful. Um, I will say as a result of doing these steps and being in this program, God has right-sized me. And today I do see myself as a winner. Um, you know why? Because today my drive is so much differently. I'm not driving for others to see me or to be important. My drive um, is now determined by God. I go out to be of service to others, God and God's kids every single day. And somebody I was on the phone with last night reminded me of that, right? I'm not going out to get the promotion. There's nowhere for me to get promoted, people, <laughs> right? I'm going out. How can I make my boss look good? What can I do to serve my colleagues? How can I help my kids? 
You know, where can I be of service to my sister and her family? Um, so I'd, I'd say Sorry, I'm, I'm pretty much the biggest winner in the room. And I'll just um, close by saying this, that, you know, I've been, I've been pretty won over by the love of my creator. He fills me up and um, he's my guide. And you know what, today God just is, and that's amazing for me. And thanks, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. And Barbara, it's your turn, followed by Martha. And Barbara, if you and Martha could each have two-minute shares that both people can fit in. Thank you. My name is Barbara M. I'm a compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania, and I'm in a lot of pain today. I um, started listening to you all on Monday, and I had days of abstinence until yesterday. And like this line says, I acquired the impeccable coat of tan. I acquired the coat of facade, you know, the the facade coat that I used to be able to use to hide my fat. And now I can't because I've gained more than I know what to do with. And um, one of the things I've realized this week, or I realized yesterday, is I had a stressful doctor appointment and I was feeling a lot of emotions. And when I left, I realized that I'm having a hard time. Well, I feel my emotions now, but there were a lot of feelings, and I've been stuffing my feelings now for months, and that's what I did. Yesterday, I broke the three-day abstinence that I was so proud of, and I'm not beating myself up, but um, I am disappointed. And um, But I look at it as a learning experience for me to have another opportunity to recover and that I can start today, which I will. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I, I need to access those feelings and I'm not going to die. It's okay. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And I just appreciate all of you being here. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara M. Martha O., it's your turn for two minutes, please. Press star one to unmute, Martha. Hi. Oh, this is Martha O. in Vancouver. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone doing service on the line today. And I really, I loved everything I heard. Um, I love how we all relate to this so much. Um, for me, it's obviously, you know, I, I'm a terrible athlete, but I did the times that I, that various boyfriends made me golf. I was super into it because of the alcohol and the food at the clubhouse. It was always a panoply of deep fried food. So that's very appealing. Um, and I'm grateful now today to be a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic fully recovered. And, um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing for me in this reading was just that grandiosity. Like why take up anything if you can't be a star, you know, doing things for attention and glamor and, 
Um, you know, I, I, my sister told me that in high school, I once said I would rather be dead than mediocre. I don't remember saying that, but it sounds about right. I mean, I just, I only did things that I could sort of shine at. And the idea of just being an ordinary person among ordinary people, that in the way that I've learned to do in recovery, just would have been kind of horrifying to me. And for me, that, um, you know, that, that was true even when I uh, first came into 12-step rooms. And I remember when I started reading the big book, I skipped over the, the beginning part of it because it seemed kind of boring, but I was really into the stories. And I immediately started thinking about how I wonder when there's another edition so I can get my story in there because my story is really, really good. And I, did, I wasn't even recovered then. So anyway, um, I love, I've read some uh, by, uh, background about Bill, uh, Bill Wilson, and he, he, that's what he, he was, whatever he took up, he was completely obsessed with. It was, um, you know, a musical instrument or when he, he there's a crazy Hi, story please. about how he, he made, oh, thanks for letting me share. Thank you everyone for being here today. Thank you, Martha O. Oh, thank you to everyone who shared and thank you to Team Friday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Friday, September the 4th, is 15282. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Tenzin please, please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Mm, thank you very much. Um, and thank you to everyone who's been on the line today and shared and listened. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.